Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. We are looking at some of the tips from Drs. Les and Leslie Parrott for making love last a lifetime. When we closed last week's broadcast, we had just started on the tip of listening with a third ear. Studies on intimate sharing indicate that not really listening is the most fundamental error couples make. We have a tendency to interrupt our spouses or be impatient while they are telling a story. But intimacy is cultivated when we patiently listen, not only to the story, but to the feelings our spouses are conveying. If you learn to do that, I predict with great certainty that intimacy will blossom in your marriage. I've put together something I call the MUM three-step connection plan to help in this area. I encourage you to go to my website, mutualunderstanding.net, and click on the Click to See How button on the homepage to watch a video that explains the plan and how to use it. Practice Unconditional Acceptance The deepest kind of sharing can take place only when there's no fear of rejection. Some married people walk on eggshells around their spouses, fearing they might say or do something to upset them. And nothing drains a relationship of intimacy faster than anxiety. And nothing promotes intimacy more than knowing that you are unconditionally accepted, even though you aren't perfect. Focus on Commonalities Intimacy grows when nurtured by shared emotions, experiences, and beliefs. Any couple who has been married for 50 years will tell you their differences. He's always restless. I like to relax. He loves sweets. I like salty foods. He's a Democrat. I'm a Republican. But in spite of their differences, you will hear statements that reveal their commonalities. They usually begin with we. We laugh at the same things. We love spending time on the Oregon coast. We support an inner-city mission. The more couples focus on what they have in common, the deeper intimacy grows. Explore spiritual terrain together. A lack of intimacy can often be traced to a lack of spiritual vitality. One study showed that spirituality ranked among the six most common characteristics of strong couples. When two people have a spiritual hunger or spiritual awareness in common, they become soulmates. In other words, spirituality is the soul of marriage. Without spiritual roots, couples are left with an emptiness and superficiality that prevent genuine intimacy. Partners who do not cultivate intimacy will, at best, live in an empty shell marriage. They will coordinate the practical details of their daily lives, who does the shopping, what car should be purchased, and so on, but they will live in an emotional and spiritual vacuum, never enjoying the full beauty of love. Cultivate Commitment Many of us have watched Fiddler on the Roof. When Tevi wants to know if his wife of 25 years loves him, he asks her point-blank, Do you love me? Their marriage had been arranged, and as Tevi explains to his wife, 
My father and mother said we'd learn to love each other. And now I'm asking, Goldie, do you love me? Goldie eventually says, I suppose I do. To which Tevi replies, After 25 years, it's nice to know. And it is. While the romantic rush of feelings will eventually fade, another kind of love anchored in commitment will take its place and bring stabilizing peace to your marriage. To cultivate the important element of commitment in your marriage, the parrots offer the following suggestions. Assess the high value of commitment. I can't emphasize enough the importance of commitment in sustaining lifelong love. Commitment is the mortar that holds the stones of marriage in place. Meet your partner's needs. We all have a fundamental need for security. One of the best ways to give people security is by meeting as many of their day-to-day needs as you can. Once partners meet each other's need to unwind after work, or the need to have one night out a week, for example, the level of security in the relationship rises. Meeting even the smallest of needs can cultivate the security of commitment. Honor your partner's promise. People can become so focused on their own commitment and the sacrifices they are making for their marriage that they miss the beauty of their spouse's promise to them. Honoring our spouse's promise is a good way to cultivate commitment. Make your commitment part of your being. As human beings, we create and define ourselves through commitments, and those commitments become an integral part of our identity. When we contradict our commitments, we lose ourselves and suffer an identity crisis. You can strengthen your commitment to your partner by choosing to make it a vital part of your being, by giving it top priority, so much so that to break it is to break who you are. Well, now let's slightly shift our emphasis. You ever notice that some couples who encounter marital turbulence navigate it successfully while others in similar circumstances are buffeted by frustration, disappointment, and eventually despair? The parrots tell us that it's no accident that some couples are radiant, positive, and happy, while other couples are beaten down, defeated, and anxiety-ridden. Researchers who have investigated the difference between the two groups have come up with all kinds of explanations for marital success long courtships, similar backgrounds, supportive families, good communication, good education, and so on. But they tell us that the bottom line is that happy couples decide to be happy. In spite of the troubles life deals them, they make happiness a habit. In their book, Building a Successful Marriage, Mary and Judson Landis make a very interesting statement. The most important characteristic of a marriageable person is the habit of happiness. For a while, let's focus more on you than on your marriage. The parrots say that it is your attitude that will determine whether you and your partner live happily ever after. Happiness in marriage has nothing to do with luck and everything to do with will. Think about something with me. Our brains are programmed much like a computer. Just before we put any sound, sight, smell, taste, 
touch, or intuition into our mental computers, we stamp it as positive or negative. Then we store the sensation in our brains and it permanently stays there. That's why you can't always remember a person's name, but you can always remember how you felt about them. Unlike computers, however, humans develop a habit of programming their minds to be either mostly negative or mostly positive. If we aren't aware of what's going on, without knowing it, we will develop a bad habit of always stamping our circumstances as negative. Then, instead of making the best of our conditions, we will wallow in self-pity and allow our conditions to get the best of us. We have to get to the point where we will not let our circumstances determine our moods or our marriage. Most negative people feel they could be positive if they had a different job, lived in a better place, or married a different person. But happiness does not hinge on better circumstances. A person with bad attitudes will still be a person with bad attitudes wherever and with whomever he or she lives. By force of habit, each of us is either basically positive or basically negative. Our circumstances change with the weather, but our attitudes stay the same. The negative person defends his attitudes with the rationality of being realistic, while the positive person looks beyond the current state of affairs and sees people and situations in terms of possibilities. Negative interpretations are guaranteed to sap the happiness out of a marriage. But how do we cultivate positive attitudes when our spouses do something we dislike? Well, according to the parrots, it's by taking responsibility for our own feelings. Commit yourself to adopting a no-fault, no-blame attitude. The idea is to suspend your negative evaluations about each other and remember that no one can make another person unhappy. Everyone is responsible for his or her own attitude. Millions of couples are robbed of happiness because one of the partners had developed a negative mindset, blaming their unhappiness on things their spouse does or doesn't do. It's one of the worst mistakes a person can make in marriage. I often hear statements like, her comments hurt me, or he makes me so angry. In reality, remarks and comments do not hurt or upset people. People can only upset themselves. Of course, being upset is a natural reaction to something we dislike, but that reaction can serve as a trigger for a more constructive, positive response. When we recognize where the control resides— in ourselves and not in external events, we are able to reinterpret upsetting events and develop a positive attitude. What makes happy couples happy? Well, Dr. Alan Pardusi, a prominent UCLA researcher, asked this question. He found that money, success, health, beauty, intelligence, or power have little to do with a couple's subjective well-being. Uh, that's lab speak for happiness. Instead, research reveals that the level of a couple's joy is determined by each partner's ability to adjust to things 
beyond his or her control. Well, our time has gone for today. It's only a couple of weeks until the couple's conference. It's Friday evening, September 15th, and Saturday morning, September 16th. The conference is sponsored by Christian Living Magazine and will be held at Cloverdale Church of God. Go to my website, mutualunderstanding.net, to download a brochure and also to register. It's going to be a great time of fun and learning. Have a great and safe holiday weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.